Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash higher balance. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, Magnetic Pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training. Accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three-month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. In this episode, Eric discusses parallel worlds and alternate realities. He believes that when you have metaphysical phenomena occur in your meditations, you are scratching the surface of other realities within the matrix. Explore this for yourself in this month's class. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rebel Guru Radio. This is episode number 78, uh, Exploring (coughs) Parallel Worlds. We're going to be talking about parallel worlds, alternate realities, um, alternate timelines. It's a pretty uh, heavy conversation, but we're going to try to make it real digestible and uh, interrelate our HBI understandings in there. So this is going to be a class for really everyone. So we hope you're going to enjoy it. Um, Before we start, I'm just going to jump in and read a few testimonials um, from other students. We have a new website coming out soon. It's going to be Pretty exciting. We're, we're very excited about it. Very different website. And so we had people sending in testimonials, and we took a few snippets from there and just wanted to share a few of them with you because often, you know, new students, they don't really know where to start. It helps to see that other people are in the same boat, just like you. This may be the first time I'm hearing this, so I'm cringing. Anyway, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, I picked, I picked the best. Yeah, no, not really. That's everyone, the way to everyone, go. thank you so much yeah. for sending in your testimonials. We only picked three. Um, to sit, share right now, but thank you. The Higher Balance material has helped me evolve and get to the stage where I can create breakthroughs for myself. Any barriers or blockages I encounter can be taken down or released through the material I've purchased and experienced. I'm really enjoying the unfolding of it all as in putting the jigsaw pieces together to create a beautiful, peaceful presence that I envelop myself in. Thank you, HBI, for the experiences. Thank you, Helen. And then we have Mindy. I found Eric Pepin and Higher Balance Institute about a year ago. When I found them, I was just starting my spiritual journey. I started with the books and got the free classes that come with the books. Within the first couple weeks, I had my first experience. It was the most amazing experience for me, and I've been hooked ever since. Since that day, I have purchased many of his classes, Eric and Higher Balance are classes, and have learned something from every one of them. I listen to their podcasts. Thanks for tuning in read the books, and buy more courses every time it gets some extra money. 
When I was asked what I wanted for Christmas, my only answer was higher bounds institution courses. Yeah! This knowledge is second to none when it comes to spirituality. Thank you, Mindy. One more. Uh, I really like this one from Pablo. I took a snippet and it stuck and it stuck. It was 3 a.m. I was tired of scrolling Facebook, just about ready to go to bed, but then I went along and got a subscription for the Higher Bounds do Dojo. I kept going for another two hours. I was exhilarated. Someone had finally described the feelings I have towards life, towards paradoxal, myster mix paradoxal mysteries, mysteries, and the strange warm hum of energy inside me. The exercises were simple, but gave me such enormous revelations I couldn't see before. I had tingles like all over my body. I dedicated myself to the dojo training every day for a month. And I knew because I experienced it all the time after that, how powerful, how deep and true these teachings are. If you can leave your assumptions at the door and just open yourself to the knowledge hidden within, you will not regret it. Well, oh, sorry. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you, Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for sending those in. If you have a testimonial that you want to share, if you've had positive experiences with Higher Balance, we love hearing them. And you can share them in the comments. You can email us at help at Higher Balance. And thank you, everyone. So let's get started. So we do have a Black Friday sale. Um, it's a little it, it's a little extended, right? So it's kind of become the holiday sale. It's going to be going on for um, another couple days. So it's going to end Saturday night. So Saturday, it strikes Sunday. Um, out of time, Evidently, people are kind of scrambling with their funds and how quickly they can get something together to get something. So we're trying to kind of keep everybody happy. So it is a last ditch opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting too because we have uh, over 100 modules up to 90% off. Um, and we love helping and seeing new folks coming in. We love the customers that always return. You know, you all are our community and we really appreciate you um, being on this uh, journey with us and, and coming back to us over and over. Um, if you have any questions, you're always welcome to reach out to us. The staff, we love helping and um, we're all basically always willing to work with you. Um, we'll meet you halfway because we, we, know, we know the student experience. We're all, we've all been students for, for years. All right, we better get tackling this. There's a lot to cover. It's pretty... Let's go. All right. So we're going to be discussing uh, parallel worlds, alternate realities, and timelines. It's super heady conversation, but it's what the people want, right? What the people want. So let's just jump in um, to Joseph's question, and we're going to kind of go through it. Sometimes we'll, we might need to You are long-winded today. Can I say that without getting in trouble? You are long-winded today. Is, is he long-winded? Comment, comment, comment and let Long-winded, right? If I if I am too long-winded, please. All right. All right. Is quantum immortality a real thing? I've heard many stories of near-death near experiences where survival should have been impossible. It seems as if they shifted to a timeline where they survived the accident, like they were not meant to die at that moment. Could this phenomenon be controlled consciously, allowing someone to live an incredibly long time to see their ideal future for Earth? Right, so it goes into the conversation that a lot of people have about timelines. Are there multiple timelines, let's say, running at the same time? And when you make a decision, do you go into different uh, ones? I'm just curious what their definition of quantum immortality is. 
that's that's what I'm 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 in. I'm trying to wrap my head around that, and I guess it's you know quantum seems to be like this magic word in New Age circles. You know, if you put quantum on it, just makes it sound Sounds so much cool. more interesting. You know, and uh, I believe quantum is relative to very very small in the simplest terms. So it's a very very small. Immortality? I don't know. Anyway, we're just being foolish. Um, I think I get the question. Um, is quantum immortality a real thing? Well, that's a... <laughs> it's a super loaded question, okay? And there is no simple answer to this. I mean, I skimmed through kind of, you know, the direction of all this and where to take it and whatnot. The, the, the biggest problem that... I think faces this conversation is just like anything spiritual. It's very hard to, to say this or that as a matter of fact way. It's really, you know, user-based experience, you know, it's what that person experience was or is. Okay. So this is all based on my experiences, my beliefs, my knowledge of, you know, acquiring information and learning stuff and putting it to practice and what I thought, what have I experienced out of it? Because I think this is a very new frontier in the sense of having science, meaning astrophysicists and theorists and, you know, your academia now is acknowledging all of this, this what was once called craziness from people like us. Talking about other dimensions, reality being an illusion, and you know, we kind of just got the yeah, 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 it's a physical organic universe and you know, there's energy. To now there's multiple timelines, multiple realities, multiple dimensions, multiple universes, on and on, and there's good argument for all of it in a scientific way. So this really comes to the point of where we, we used to say 10, 15, 20 years ago, science eventually will meet up with spirituality was our belief. I, I think we've been there now for a little while and we're just getting deeper and deeper into it. And maybe these mysteries are going to become more approachable and solvable in, in that sense. So. You know, if you're going to ask me, is, is quantum immortality a real thing? Let's let's try to understand what what that means. You know, maybe uh, in the background you could just Google quantum uh, immortality. I mean, I have an idea what it is, but I just want to kind of make sure we're on the same page. All right, Mark, what do we got? Um, refers to the experience of surviving quantum suicide. Uh, the thought experiment was created by Max Tegmark. In the thought experiment, a person stands in front of a gun which fires if it detects a subatomic particle as having an upward spin or does not fire if the gun detects a downward spin. What? I don't think that has anything to do with the question. I okay, think that's so that. Maybe this one's the right one. Uh, quantum suicide is a thought experiment in quantum mechanics, and the philosophy of physics. Uh, purportedly, it can falsify any interpretation of quantum mechanics other than the Everett Many Worlds interpretation by means of variation of the uh, Schrodinger's cat Okay, I know where it is going all this. Okay. Is quantum immortality a real thing? Can that be a yes or no answer? I don't think so. Uh, 
here's here's my my conundrum. This is where I'm pausing. Okay, you have to keep in mind that there there's there's a lot of angles to this. As I said when we when we open this, there's the multiple world theory, which kind of falls into this. Then you've got this infinite, infinite amount of possibilities. When I say infinite, what I'm suggesting that that's being said is that for every single thing you do, there's a potential of a split reality coming from that. So if you ever kind of went to a clothing store and you stand up where the, the, the tailor works on your maybe hemming your pants or something, there's these mirrors. And if you look at the mirrors at the right direction or anywhere, you see this, this ongoing effect of mirrors that seem to go on for infinity, a reflection of a reflection. And in that, you could say that for every single image of yourself, you see that there is a one-tenth of a percent slight difference and that that is a complete reality of its own. The question comes into if that is possible, and, and the, the, listen, there, there's what I, for all human beings, there's what we want and what we feel comfortable with for how we want to perceive reality. What we can conceive, what we can wrap our heads around, okay, is a big part of what we accept as, as truth, okay? to the point where there are things that we are barely beginning to understand, or some of us are smart enough to understand, but the rest of us have to kind of catch up, is something so extreme for our thinking, it's almost implausible to believe. And I, I'm pretty sure that's why this person's asking me this question. And my, I'm not a scientist. I can only tell you what my experiences have been over 30, 40 years, I'm getting old, uh, in regards to experiences that I've encountered, particularly with the future or working on seeing the future and, and the highs and lows of that and yada, 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 and my other experiences, um, it's a yes and no answer. I know you guys hate it when I say that. And, I, and But I'll explain. I'll do better than most people because they just drop it there. I don't, I don't like to drop it. Um, I believe that we are in a simulated reality. Now, why nobody is asking the right questions about that to this day? I don't know why people aren't asking me the right questions, but, but you're not, okay? So we'll, we'll table that to the side. Having said that, in the, the belief that we live in a simulated reality, the second you accept the idea of a simulated reality, you have to then take into consideration that there are potentially more realities. What is the limitation to all of those possibilities? We're going to kind of get our head to wrap around this based on what we currently can relate to or understand. So the Library of Congress is evidently the largest library in the world, or at least one of them. It's extremely large. It's vast. Walk hallways, yada, yada, yada. It's just tons of information. In, in our technological level now, you know, proverbial, the statement is you can fit the entire information everything from the, 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 the Library of Congress onto a pin of a needle. Now, I remember that being thrown around as a concept already a decade ago. Who knows where we are with it today, okay? M my point is, is that as we understand technology and we evolve with technology and we integrate it in our daily life, that's when we can begin to really wrap our heads around. It's not some secret building that has all these computers in it, which still is also kind of true in another way for servers. but. The point is, is that 
do we think it's conceivable to hold all the data of what we consider our reality, okay, at a, a given point to hold all that data and make it usable? So in, in, in other words, I'm not considering outside of our solar system. I'm not saying that we have to have extreme detail for the planets around the, 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 the Earth, per se, or in our solar system. What we need to do is, is that anything that the human mind or is in the process of trying to understand, it needs to build out data to give that answer to whatever it wants to tell us. So probes have to have some data created if we're going out into space, this and that. But there's a, a long conversation about whether anything else is really out there happening until we look at it, till we think about looking at it, till we start questioning it. And then all of a sudden there's, there's something there all of a sudden. We're like, wow, that's amazing. So if we look at what we're capable of doing today for the amount of data that can be stored in an infinitely small amount of space, the question is, is do you think it's possible, given that we have the right amount of techne technologies? You can say 10 years, 100 years, or 1,000 years. It, it really is a mute point based on the same question because we're, we're in a simulated reality. So we don't, we don't know how far the technology in the future is. So, that's eh, my years. But the, the point I'm trying to make is if our reality is being generated somewhere out there, which I don't think it's on some kind of computer that we can perceive. I have thoughts on all that too. This is why I don't know why the right questions aren't coming to me. Anyway, I have to deal with this stuff. So the, the point is, is that I think you guys would agree that we are at a level now where we could imagine all of the information for our planet right down to the core somehow could be indexed into a form of technology if that technology was advanced enough and capable enough and had enough energy to do that. Would you two agree, seeing you're the only two people I said, would you say that's feasible based mm -hmm. on everything else I've taught you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So would you say then that it's, it's easy to accept from that point of view that you could have a backup copy. Yeah. What if something goes wrong? Yeah, one, right? <laughs> How about two or three backup copies? Yeah, but, but now you're, you're, you're going to be asked the question, well, how big is your storage based on how small we can make it? Well, my answer would be macro and micro. It, it could be quantum small, which is infinitely small, and it could be really massive. It could be a computer the size of Jupiter. It could be something even beyond that. It could be one of these Dyson spheres as the computer, and the computer is the, you know, integrated into the structure going around this sun that they're capturing and harnessing for energy, theoretically. So we, we don't necessarily know that, okay? But the question is, is that, is it feasible to believe that, A, if we are in a simulated reality, Two, can there be more than one backup copy? Let's just start there, okay? The answer, of course, is yes, based on what we understand, okay? So we believe it's possible to record all the data from, from this Earth. We, we believe it's possible to have backup copies. The next logical question is, well, if you can have an infinite amount of copies of this planet, meaning the planet is a program running. It's like Microsoft Word running, or it's a data processing thing, crunching numbers, okay? That's how I see the world, okay? As a big computer system, 
even though we think we're organic, it's it's really just dots and numbers, okay? So why would you just depend on one program running when you could be running it and all this other infinite amount of space you have because of the technology you possess? So my opinion is you would really run what could be considered for our little brains an infinite amount of possibilities, meaning you'd be running more than one program simulation to learn from. You would have an infinite amount. Therefore, based on that, it is my belief that there are an infinite amount of other realities and other possibilities. And I talked about this nearly 30 years ago. Um, so the answer is, is, is yes, but the yes and no comes into whether there is a in the moment space or whether that they're all in the moment. What I mean by that is, is there a copy of you that literally feels that it's you, thinks that it's you, and for all intents and purposes, just another copy of you? Is it, I guess in a weird way, is it animated or, or are all the other ones non-player characters? Okay, and that there's only one real influential hub, meaning let's say it's just the you right now, which, which I don't believe it's you physically here, but that's another conversation. So... In, in essence, you could say that as a program, your dreams, which you think you only have a handful of, but you don't know that. You could have thousands of dreams, and they could just be micro-compressed data that you don't even catch yourself kind of falling out. And those could be you running programs using your main conscious in these other realities, these other worlds, these other possibilities, these other fringe realities, if you will, okay? And the reason I make that argument is, is that there is a lot of um, documentation from brilliant people when they had their breakthroughs, and I've talked about this, that it came in a dream. So either you went in your own brain and your own brain went through all these and you came to a conclusion, which you were struggling with on a normal level, but somehow in your dream based on what you know, you were able to figure it out, which is feasible. Or that information got figured out on one of these other running simulated programs and you were able to cross that membrane and adapt that information for your eureka moment and you says it came in a dream but it was really shared data and what i mean by that is i think people look at we'll call it quantum uh, immortality or quantum worlds i think they look at it all wrong i think someone like me i want to say looks at it all right but no there's stuff i'm learning too but in the right state of mind, I believe I draw on my knowledge and wisdom from these other simulated versions of me. That, that I think the biggest tragedy that I always hear from young people when I was growing up was, I'm an individual, I'm unique, I'm my own person. Okay. There's ramifications psychologically that go beyond that. That's just you closing your, yourself down to the whole idea of Alessone per se. Okay. You can't have a fear of individualism. You should embrace the multitude of all these and understand that somewhere in there, you will always remain individual. At the same time, you're part of something bigger, just like all the cells in your body, one with you, but really independent. I don't know. Am I answering the question or am I just rambling on? You're going on, but yeah. real quick. So, Alessone being representation of everything is one. 
all is, is one. one. Yeah, spell it out. It's a little tricky wordplay we do. So it's it's the idea that all things are one thing. And it's the idea of saying quantumly you're made out of an infinite amount of living organisms that make up your body all independently thinking without any help from you, okay? On the same token, they all collectively work together in a harmonizing to become one individual such as you. That same thinking, the same process can be used on the quantum level all the way up to the macro level, meaning worlds and plant life and species and organisms and cellular structure and everything else. Just what level you want to look at. Yeah, uh, good question here. Um, uh, someone's saying, I believe all is one, but if everything is one, how are we as entities so separate and how can I feel so in tuned with this singular experience? Where are these limitations formed and why? Um, I think perfect harmony, that's a good question, you're going to get a good answer, I hope. I think perfect harmony is in the balance of synchronizing um, Alisoni as a concept in your consciousness with your individualness. I think that you can do both and I think having a simultaneous duality like that is, is a form of like a tuning fork. It creates a hum and that hum is the ideal state by which you want to exist. It's a higher speed of awareness. It's, it's dialing into everything, but it's enough that it's centralized as, as a hub to you. And that's no easy trick. That's the whole reason you meditate. That's how you learn to steady your mind so you can use it for these other things. You clear your mind so that there's not noise and obstructions because it's very hard to take something very delicate and very thin to hold as a concept. So they're both true and they're both correct. So when you say, you know, it may be or maybe, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding something, that it's one thing to say that we're part of everything and should I feel like we're part of everything? The answer is yes. But then the contradiction is, is but then how do I see myself individually, okay, um, you know, and, and how does that work? And my response is you are by design in this program to want to see yourself as an individual, seeing yourself as uh, Alessoni, part of something larger as a synchronization per se, is is not ideal to it garnering data from you. It's it's what it does. It's end of the deal, meaning it meaning information technology, if you will, the big brain, the big AI, looks at us as a collective. It looks at it as a collective form of accruing data or knowledge or whatever. When it wants to dig down into something and find where something came from, that's when it's getting down to proximity of this group or this conversation or to an individual person or whatever, okay? So it looks at everything in a form of Alessoni, even though simultaneously it understands on the deeper levels, the more individual you are, the more it can extrapolate specifically where the source of a change of thought occurred or an epiphany or genius or a moment of breaking all the rules. Where did it come from? How did it begin? So it monitors the, the greater mass as a collective. And it looks for uh, anomalies in that and is able to go in. So for us on the opposite spectrum of that, we are designed to try to see only individualism. When we question our individualism and we have a way in our mind to bridge the collective that we're part of, okay, at the same time understanding that we're individual, okay, that's when the magic happens. That's when your consciousness expands because you no longer 
are bound by your so much, such a heavy class to explain in, in a short period of time. So I have a lot of classes on this and it will, each one will blow your mind, but it, it will alter reality for you just listening to it. So in, in, in essence, by, by me accepting the collective and a part of me feeling that, and a part of me also feeling my individualness, that's what makes me psychic. That's what makes us spiritual. That's makes us sensitive or aware or feeling something that's going to happen before it happened may have happened in one of the ideas of a quantum reality or one of the multitudes, okay? That, that it's sequenced so similar that you somehow bumped up with that data, but you got that data because you were probably in a clear state of consciousness at some point and it was able to leap over to you as, as an awareness of what's going to happen. The hell am I talking about anymore? So just, just to, <laughs> to recap, so we call the, the system, the big brain, many things. One of them is, you know, the matrix, right? Yeah. You're saying that when you're very focused on being an individual, you see yourself as an individual, it's a lot easier for it to pull data from you. It's like collecting, harvesting information. You are fit into your role. You are going in the maze the way it expects you to, and it knows that you will come out on the other side at a certain time, a certain place, yada, yada. It's the anomaly is when, when anything makes a decision or a move consciously with, with something that was not predicted or expected. That's that's what it's looking for. That's how it learns. And it does that on billions of people on the earth, billions of sequences. And it doesn't stop there. It's all life, all organism, chemistry, everything. How are we doing? Do we have more questions? Eric's saying we're not asking the right questions, so we better start. Uh, she, same person who asked that one is saying, um, I'm more of asking why am I just this one person? If everything spirals from an infinite point and I see that, couldn't I be so much more all at once? Yeah, that's why you need to meditate. That's why you need to listen to the material. That's why you need to reflect on this because in the end, consciousness is the most powerful thing you have in this reality. If nothing is real, you can rest assured there is one thing at the end of the day that's real, and that could be argued, okay, depending on who you are, and that's a whole other conversation, is your consciousness. So the first thing you need to do is you need to start contemplating, reflect, listening is reflecting, learning is reflecting, putting yourself in the rain, meaning listening to this conversation, you get wet. It means you start to chew on this. Whether you get an epiphany or not this moment doesn't matter. It will come. So the idea is, is that by meditating, you are shutting down all of your thought. Your thought is an incredible anchor to this micro individualist. It's one particular voice that's yours. It's never a multitude of voices, unless there are other issues. Uh, it's, it's always you moving along in your thought process. There's always a beginning and an end. Okay. So when you meditate, you are saying to the matrix or the great AI or whatever's monitoring everything, I'm going to flip the switch and just disappear. Boop. So as long as you're not talking in your mind, as long as you're not feeling, as long as you just go clear, okay, meaning, and I hate to use that word because it's very, uh, but as, as soon as you shut down everything, okay, that's when it's kind of like the universe is just like a, a tsunami. It just draws out all of this water and you're left in this void, but something else returns to fill it. The question is, is can you remain in non-thought long enough 
to experience that return. And what is that return? That return is kind of a, a, a micro upgrade. It's, 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 it's like it added data. And then all of a sudden you start to understand things you didn't understand before over those next few days, weeks, and months. It's like, it's like, you just understand. It's like somewhere that that information came or that curiosity was spurned. So in order for you to experience Alessoni, the first thing is you need to build a working approachable model in your head based on what we're talking about, based on what I said already will work excellent. Okay. But that's where I would begin. Thank you. I don't know. I hope it answers the question. Uh, Did it answer the question? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you yeah. let us know. I've got, I think her name is go, go Bob or something. So yeah. yeah, let us know if we answered your question. Um, so uh, Katie's asking, uh, does this include the information stored in the DNA and passed on, I guess, like collective? Well, I think there's information you can access and there's information that you're shut out of, okay? And anything you're shut out of isn't really shut out. It just takes an extraordinary amount of your effort to retrieve it. So when you start talking to me about DNA sequence and memory, stuff like that, the answer is, is yeah, there's a lot of information there. But it's the kind of information that kind of runs on a silent, like, subroutine in the back of your mind. It's It also contributes to your instincts, your intuition, um, all of those things. But uh, I was telling a story that um, I used to have this reoccurring dream when I was like maybe six or seven years old and I would peel this thing off of my tongue. It was very bizarre, but I, I remember peeling it off and I remember peeling it off of someone else to help them. And we were in a, I don't know, a medical place or something. I vaguely remember. I'm ab living now. But the point is I was having a conversation with my mother and she was talking about my grandmother when she was a child, okay? There was this illness in Germany where it made this kind of chemical reaction on your tongue and it made this like layer over it. So you'd have to go in there and get treatment or whatever. And my grandmother evidently had a younger roommate in the same room with her as a girl. And my grandmother peeled this thing off of her own tongue, doing it on her own against the wishes of the doctor. She couldn't deal with it no more. And the other girl begged her to do the same for her. She couldn't do it. So my grandmother did it for her. I didn't know that story. I wasn't aware of that. And I thought my dreams on that were just some kind of bizarre thing. I mean, everybody has had these weird kind of dreams, I presume. So for me, that there was confirmation of what I consider genetic, generic, uh, generic, genetic memory. I think that memory somehow came to the surface in my childhood for whatever reasons. But it traveled as a form of data from my grandmother to my mother biologically, and that data was transferred then to me decades later uh, at my birth. Uh, it's the only reasonable answer I have for something like that. So I do believe genetic memory is possible to, to do. I think it's there. I think that the best way to access it, once again, just like everything else, is the deeper you go with, into meditation, the more you study your mind, the more that you can have a sense of what it is you want to look for, which the moment you sit down, you've already concluded that, you know, if you've decided on something, you don't need to think about it no more. It just set it and forget it and just clear your mind. That's meditating. Have nothing in your head and no anticipation, no excitement. Try to control all of that. And the answer, the solution, the indication simply appears. It's just almost all of a sudden you just have an epiphany. And most of the time it can happen days later, randomly. But it all started from what you set in motion that day for meditating. 
I think that's a really important point too, Eric, that sometimes it's not going to happen, hit you in the head right away, but that it comes later. You have to understand that it's, well, you know, we're not the McDonald's of spirituality. That, that, yes, and that's very true. And what you have to take in consideration is, is in, in, in our own way, we're very complex. There are just things that you are not ready to accept, even though you've convinced yourself you are ready. That doesn't mean you're going to be allowed to to wrap your head around it. There are things that people see and they just lock up, whether it be in fear or they just can't process it. Uh, we think we can handle anything. But the truth is in an extreme situation, you might be surprised how much you lock up or not lock up. So in, in, in that sense, there are things that you may get it as like kind of like a vision. I always say there's a, a white flash, but you don't see anything else. Oh, it was there. It's your brain, just like when I, I showed in the handbook of the navigator and I'm like, count these particular letters, do this and that. And the answer is always like, like they're not there. But when you showed them to me, they're there. And I, I literally, you didn't touch it. I'm holding it. You just told me what to look at. And there they were. And then they're gone again. They're gone again. And there they are. It's your brain edits. So once you accept that truth, that changes your whole approach to all of this. But it also, once you internally accept that truth, like that your brain will lie to you, okay? It will betray you. That once you are aware of that, that almost opens up the possibility for you to start capturing, capturing stuff later. It's almost like your brain needs time to sort it out and figure out how to present it to you because there are mechanisms in your consciousness that simply don't want to deal with it or accept. I mean, if, 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 if you had proof of a simulated reality, this is, this is, a, I can do some amazing things like I've done in the past, let's say, and it's absolutely mind blowing, absolutely logic, reality defying against all the laws of physics, but you just experience it. So unless it's a magic trick and I'm no magician in that sense, um, your brain wants to dismiss it. it. It literally wants to find a way to normalize whatever that experience was, even though you sit there and go, I don't, I don't know. I want to believe it was a trick. I want to believe this or that. Your brain wants to do that. This is a mechanism to preserve and protect your consciousness so that you can go out and forage and eat and do all the evolutionary things. And so, it has protection mechanisms. We have, some of us have evolved to take all of that evolutionary sensory awareness, all of these things, and we've evolved to the point where we understand time, which gave us how to teach stuff previously we learned and hand that over to others because we could remember, okay, we didn't live just in the moment per se, or we have a, a very big expansion of being able to remember stuff. That's what helped propel us. But we eventually attain, just like biblical says, you know, an awareness or a sense of truth. That's literally what we've attained, self-awareness, self-study. And when we utilize those tools, that's when everything else starts crumbling down. But if you tell yourself, I can handle anything, let me just say, if you think I'm a smart guy, I can tell you right now, I can't handle everything. So if you can, man, more power to you. Um, there are just some things that, that are really, really difficult to accept. The first step is, is accepting the fact that you're going to be okay, <laughs> that life is beautiful and interesting and fascinating and, and stunning, and whether it's digital, whether it's real, whether it's organic, whether it's not, 
I don't care. I still think it's all amazing and I love it. I just want to understand it better. So that's what I have to say on that. I don't know. I'm babbling on again. No, I think that's, I think that's really nice. Um, because sometimes, you know, we'll have students come to us. I know I've been there where it's like, it's the matrix. I need to get out now. And, and you, you sort of freak out or sort of exclude yourself from actually experiencing reality where, where the magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's the, the, the thing is that, um, yeah, boy, I, I, I gotta think how I want to answer that. Cause that's a lot the, the, the internet will explode on questions on me if I'm not careful. Uh, it, you, in, in my opinion, you cannot physically, as we see ourselves and understand ourselves at this moment, we cannot take our physical self and then reawaken as ourselves wherever it is we think we are because i can assure you of one thing it's not human it's not a human body you're going to find necessarily so that's cool. well that's that's a big okay. uh, misconception oh, boy, well, that time went by fast see ya. oh wow yeah. <laughs> <That was over. laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that, that helps or not, but I do cover a lot of this. And in one hour, you know, I've got modules that, you know, two, four, six, eight hours worth of this stuff. But if you can listen to it all, you'll be a rock star. You'll be the most interesting person in the room to talk to. Anyway. I've got a question here. Um, with the simulated reality, are these servers running endless iterations in order to learn new patterns like data scientists working with AI? Absolutely. Yes. Just that you need to stretch your imagination to the best of your ability to not conceive the idea of what a server is to us. Because when one says the word server, we see a room with all these computers running. Okay. And that would be a misjustice to the technology running all this. More sophisticated than that, I guess. Sounds. It's very sophisticated. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't claim to understand how any of it works. All I can tell you is, is that um, a lot of it is controlled light. And it just seems to be just like, it's like they learned how to take the, you know, the, the a proton and nucleus per se, you know, you got the little, uh, I don't know, I can't remember nothing now, but you got the protons flying around it. Uh -huh. There's a law of physics like gravity that it follows that specific pattern unless obviously something happens. It's as if they've learned how to take bits or pieces of photons of light and organize them in the way that they're able to follow patterns or they have roots. And, and I think that may be the basis by which our reality is, is built on. And it explains to me a lot of things, but that's another conversation. So when we talk about the light, think about this. We talk about this, this place like heaven. We always think of it as white, okay? If we think about leaving or, or moving on, we think white. It's not brown. It's not yellow. It's not green. It's white. Because somewhere in our psyche, we understand the foundation of what's creating our reality. So... Yeah, that's another hack, though. That's another when you know universal kind of weird spiritual truths in that sense. Now, scientists might argue all this, but you you can expound upon that to hack 
different levels of, of reality and function of how all this works. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this kind of goes right hand in hand. Uh, can you please explain more on the flashes of white light? Is that information being downloaded to us? Well, it, I wouldn't necessarily use the word download, but I would say that's an excellent <laughs> word to use for it. So um, what when, when most people start our form of meditation, because certainly most meditations don't do this. The foundation, if you're looking on the sale, it's called the foundation. Right, and it's very old, and I probably should do an updated one, and uh, I probably should remove stuff that I've said in there, but <laughs> so get it while you can. But I'm working on it, and I've got to look good. Uh, but... When, when we do the meditation, there is a, a point by which I would say seven out of 10 people, if not nine out of 10, at some point they have experiences of certain things. You start to feel like you're bobbing like this up and down, okay? And you're supposed to be sitting real still like this with your eyes shut. If you open up your eye, you're not moving. So then you do this whole rational thing that I was talking about earlier. Well, there must have been, because as soon as you open your eyes, it just stops. It must have been a truck driving by outside and it rumbled the ground and I felt it bobbing me around. So you shut your eyes, you go back to it and all of a sudden you're feeling this, this kind of vibration that's bobbing. And it's, not, it's a lot. It's not like a little like, is this really happening? Is there something there? It's, it's evident. You open your eye and it stops again. So that's one phenomenon we can get into another time. But one of the other phenomena that comes on during meditation, probably anywhere from a matter of days to weeks and even can go on for months and then it just kind of stops. Okay, you don't you don't really have it happen unless it's like bigger. Okay, and that's a whole kind of trick answer in there. So so what happens? You you'll be meditating. It can be a dark room. It can be just a standard. Nobody's flashing lights. Nobody's doing nothing. But I'll promise you one thing: you're going to get a light flash, and you're going to open your eye. And go, what was that? And you're going to look around. And you're going to think, well, maybe the power went off for a second, came back on, or or somebody walked by, but there's no one in the whole house. You start rationalizing. You start looking for that reason of why that you shut it again and all of a sudden you'll see the flash again. you're going to open your eyes there ain't nothing going on close your eyes you're going to do it again but you're going to tell yourself this time i'm going to keep my eyes shut so now it's going boom 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 like three or four or five or ten of these okay and then you're going to open your eye again and go what the okay and there's this is just a normal room okay those light flashes are is data, I guess you could say being downloaded into you. I would like to say more like, um, I would say think about your brain and think about all the cells in your brain and think about the fact that data is stored duplicate all over the brain, okay, and other places. And imagine like they show us this animation where electricity shoots over from, from one noid point to the other as this light. And when that light hits, it's like a flash in our collective awareness, okay? But in this case, in the form of talking about multi-realities, I believe that you're actually getting data downloaded into you by your most advanced uh, collective. I think it's giving you information probably for the next 10 years. Uh, and that will slowly be impacted. So if you were able to, I guess, give you a hint in that sense, were to slow it down um, to try to meditate on a flash of light, like try to hold the memory in there, you would start to see it having colors, um, like little micro dots of blues and reds and yellows and greens, just like something off of a TV, but like fog. And, and in there could be organized information. It's just your perceptions. It's, it's just how it works. 
So those flashes are, are data and that's what we say. So is the, the, the vibrations, okay? It's also thirdly what we call planes of light. Planes of light are when you're meditating, you, you kind of get like a third sight after a while when you get really kind of disciplined at it. And in the space where there's nothing, oftentimes what is a black, kind of like your eyes are shut, you don't realize it, but the black turns to like a foggy white. And it, the interesting thing is you don't really think about it. It's like you don't notice. And in there, you will see what are our vast, well, it's hard to say vast because everything is it's perspective, but it's they're very, very large, vast, what I would call vast, like sheets of colored pastel transparent light. And there's even sounds to them, high frequency, it's hard. I know. Just forget I ever did that. Let me cut that. But they're high pitches and they're beautiful. And so it's like all of these things, sometimes they crisscross, sometimes they move. But if you look around, it's like all this kind of ram rainbow color, but it's in a lot like a rainbow, but the rainbow, all the colors are stretched wider and then they're, they're like fabric, but you can see through them and they're not the same kind of sharpness and color that, that a rainbow would have. It's more subdued. It's more um, pastel-y. Um, and therefore, um, the, the idea of what you are seeing is either A, an interpretation that we can't understand, but it could be technology. And this is how this matrix system is containing or moving data or collecting data per sheet. Our whole reality could be the, this whole yellow sheet moving amongst the blues and the reds and everything. And there's many of the same colors and colors that I, I think we can't even perceive in that sense. But it's data for sure. And so in the old day, I didn't expect people to understand a lot of this. And so I would say, well, you can move to other worlds, other realities by, by moving through it. Well, it's to say that if you move your mind through through something like that, the reality is, depending on your level of skill, is you you get these flashes. And it's it's like maybe from that place something that's synchronized with whoever you are within that other program. And you you kind of get data from that. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not going too too out there or too sci-fi. Does it make sense? Let us know. But if you go into it looking for the planes of light, you won't find them. That's the other thing, because you're looking from our perspective of thinking. Everything you do spiritually, the biggest mistake, the hardest thing you need to do is to remove yourself from everything you think you know. That means you're going to try to interpretate your experience when you see it to try to understand it. And I always say, don't try to figure it out when it's happening. Just simply observe, observe, and experience. When it ends, lay it all out and start dissecting and figuring it out. But if you try to do it while you're in that moment, any kind of verbiage in your head is structuralized thought. It's from this matrix. Therefore, it's like a, a language that it's like trying to use words underwater without any technology. It, it's just not designed for it. And therefore, it acts as a brilliant mechanism to secure us in this matrix and prevent us from, from crossing over easily. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, just like you assume you can do something in the normal way, you know, like like speak, but you're underwater, you're in this other place, this other reality, and it just doesn't work. So you're confused, and you, you it does it just doesn't work. So yeah. you're saying that the meditation, the other programs, right, yeah. teach you. Or imagine trying to talk to somebody underwater next to you, and you're trying to hold a conversation with them. How how difficult do you think that would be? Now imagine a non-organic reality and trying to do that. You're, you're trying to vocalize words when you are energy. You don't even have vocal cords. You don't have a mouth. You don't have any of that. But yet in your head, you're just making the assumption that that's how you communicate or how you should experience is also the same thing. You're just not thinking about it. But you're thinking you need to see it with your eyes. You think you need to be able to hear it with your ears. The second you do that, it's like you're in this ether place, but every thought like that adds weight. and You just drop back out of it. That's why the best thing you can say to somebody is non-thought. Don't think of anything. But you're aware of everything. It's not like you stop being aware. But you got to train yourself to do that in order to allow these things to surface and allow your mind to build the modeling to handle those thoughts. And you can't demand it because now you're shaping it to what – this is such a hard concept that I, I've struggled this with for years with, with different ways to explain this and trying to find the – I think a lot of people get it, but I think a lot of people don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And it's to say that you, you can't use the vast majority of things we, we do on a day-to-day -day basis without thinking about it. We, we talk. We write. We, we deal with a three-dimensional world, okay? When – you move outside of this to presumably wherever consciousness goes after death, okay, call it an in-between place. That in-between place, you didn't, you didn't march in there with your physical body. There's not a need to, to take it with you. I always laugh when they show pictures of ghosts with arms and legs and a head. I'm like, but they're transparent. How exactly does the, the, the optives of his, his eyes work to collect light? How does the eardrum work in a, in a holographic, transparent? I mean, it, it doesn't work that way, okay? It just doesn't. And all of the spiritual teachings that everybody are trying to awaken on is based off of these kind of models, which always leads to one guaranteed thing, failure. And that's why people never seem to have the breakthroughs they want, because it's, everybody's full of shit. And so I try to dial it back, and I'm trying to approach this in a in a way that I can get people to to see it differently and awaken. So if you can't talk there, and you can't see with your eyes there, and you can't hear with your ears there, just like if you were underwater, it's just a different environment, more extreme than underwater. Okay, but consciously you're aware. That should tell you the only thing that you have that you can fully confirm is self awareness, consciousness at that moment. So therefore, you have to ask yourself, I need to learn a whole set of new sensory for this place because hearing is made for this dimension and how sound moves through the air and structuralizes, not for space, but for here. Eyes, same thing, bounce and light, reconstruction, it's all a hallucinogen designed in your head anyway of what you interpretate. So, so you can't go into spirituality just marching in thinking you're going to have these kind of experience. If you're seeing other people in your, your practices, 10 to 1 is just something else in our reality. But your brain wants to feed you like-wise relatable information. And it will be encouraged to do that if you use words in your head or you find yourself using your imagination to fill in the ab lines. So by wanting for nothing and consistently practicing on nothing... 
eventually you're forcing the hand where it just pops you into this other place and then all of a sudden you have these really incredible experiences. The second you start pondering or thinking when you're experiencing, it snaps you out of it. It's just like opening your mouth to holler and you just, what happens? The water floods into your nose and down your throat. So it, it expels you out of the water because you got to head out for, for air. Well, the second you have thought, it expels you out of this dimensional place that you could have acquired all this information. So real spiritual deep people have found a way to more or less hold their breath and explore these places or this phenomenon. And they keep going back so they can learn a little more, a little bit more. And that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you often talk about non-thought as like kind of like the airplane, like it takes some consistent work and you have these breakthroughs and then you, you can lift well, off. Well, you know, everybody wants to put on a pair of headphones and listen to frequency sounds, okay? And that's going to do it. But they've been around for decades, okay? So... You've got spiritual people who, who, this is the problem I feel about the entire spiritual community and why I think it's just full of shit, okay, is that you've got just a lot of people wanting to, to dial into spiritual stuff because they, I think legitimately, they, they feel something up to 10%. But because they're struggling and they want it so bad, they start using are thinking and start building models and saying this is the way it is this is how it's done okay and this is where you get into the fox sisters popping their hands and seances and all this shit and all these other people writing books on 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 chakras and this i think there's 10 percent fact that somebody talked about that was accurate four generations ago and people kept regurgitating and painting it into their own thing and i think that that's why the vast majority of people are completely lost on their spiritual journey and completely un unsatisfied completely unsatisfied so i try to keep it simple i try to use as much logic as possible and i try not to convolute it with transcripts from india okay i just want some basic logic preparation and you will have these experience follow my lead thank you eric do we have thank any you. more questions we'd like to ask uh, let me see here Maybe this one. Is it possible to make enough progress throughout existence, becoming one once again since we are just the process of God's thoughts? Would we just be restarting the cycle of existence infinitely? I'm not sure what you yeah. want to reinterpretate that or reread it. It's probably a good question. It's just yeah, a bit worry. What, what we learned about Earth. What are you trying to say? Is it possible? Try to, to keep yeah. your, your questions as simple and short as you can within reason because these are not simple questions. And it isn't, you know, I, I'm, there's a couple things I can run with that. So I, I don't want to, you know, burn me or everybody else out with, with multiple directions. I want to kind of make sure I'm understanding specifically what we're addressing. Yeah. Is it possible to make enough progress throughout existence becoming one once again since we are just the process of God's thoughts? It sort of goes I'm into a sure question question that I was thinking too. What what are spiritual seekers? What are we actually seeking? Like, what are we? Is there an end goal? Is it? And then it also kind of goes into reincarnation. Of he's saying, like, do you just get rerun over and over and over and over, and basically, um, for lack of a better word, a victim to it? Okay. 
Well, this gets back to to you know Hare Krishnas and their whole concept of reincarnation and end the cycle and all this other stuff. Okay, uh, look, the the first thing to understand is that the human race has designed in it correctly an unquenchable desire for knowledge. This is exploration. This is why we cross oceans and climb mountains and deserts into the depths of the ocean. This is why we, we exert ourselves to get to the moon and to Mars. Gotta know. We gotta know. Okay. And so this is something designed into us as a need almost as well as breathing, eating, sex. It's These are all things designed in us. And the fact that we choose life. Now, you could commit suicide, but those are usually under extreme circumstances. So there's a, a very powerful need to live, okay? Hence our, our whole need to escape death, okay? So knowledge up front is the answer, and I think the Matrix understands that. And that's another thing that's very interesting, okay? It wants us to continuously learn. It wants us to continuously inquire. It wants us to be inquisitive, okay? Because that feeds it in return because it makes us come through these computations on singular levels and multitudes. And if you want to understand that thinking, go back to, to the, when they had computers back in the day, for those of us who can remember. And it was there was a program that was working on C-SETI stuff or calculations of the sky to find intelligent life out there. And they ran a program that says, use our screensaver. When it's on and you're not using your computer, your computer chip will, will work collectively with all of these other computers throughout the world to crunch these big numbers for us. We need everybody's help. So that's a collective, okay? So it's kind of like that's how it sees all people in a sense, all right? So that's one. Number two is we, meaning the people having this conversation and some scientists and some other people have self-reflection. Self-reflection is when you start to question your own reality, your own consciousness, your own self, your own purpose, your own things. The moment you do that, you've already begun to separate yourself to some degree from the program, the matrix. It's governing you. So, so when you ask what's governing me, oh, you're not supposed to ask that question. Do you understand? You're not supposed to look and see what's moving you along. You're supposed to be, in a sense, a drone. You're going to make babies, go work your job, go through the routine of life. These are your emotions. Pretty much what anybody else is doing in a similar bracket as, as your reality. When you start to question reality, you begin to escape reality. The laws by which you are governed under you begin to question. And this starts to get into paranormal phenomenon, spirituality. And so we as inquisitive people now got a taste that there's something else. Now remember that same inquisitive drive is off the charts. Now it's on escaping or figuring out what's behind this curtain. So I believe that certain individuals that are in any world, any intelligence space, okay? I think that there's a very small percentage, up to 15%, okay? It's not really small if you think about it, okay? All have the capacity to not only self-reflect, but self-reflection leads up to liberation. And this is what they would say in Buddhism per se, or, or things like that. And so liberation is, is that, is that a smaller percent of that 15%, a very minute amount, attain what we'll call enlightenment. And enlightenment is 
in all new technical wording, okay, is a sense of being able to stay for great lengths of time or longer amounts of time in what we'll call the planes of light and extracting more and more information. It does not mean you know all the secrets to the universe. This is again another new age fucking stupid shit, okay? What it does mean is, is that you start to have an, un an enhanced logic and rationale and you begin to understand things and you begin to, to see things in your mind work faster and better to assemble them than, than before. Okay, and that keeps accelerating, but accelerating you, we think it's super fast. It doesn't mean it's super fast. It just means it's moving forward in a way that's beyond what you would have achieved. When you attain a form of self-awareness, meaning you know you're in a matrix, you know this isn't real, you, you are questioning reality, you can feel it, okay? Then this is a, a spiritual awakening. This is when, when you're trying to now do the biggest mistake of all. Well, I feel there's something, I know there's something intelligent, a.k.a. God or AI or some intelligence governing all this, okay? The force, whatever. And the second you do that, you now are considered spiritual because you're dialing into that range. How far in that range you can go is up to you. But once you've done that, there is a compelling written code in there that says if you're going to have this awareness, you now need to be a contributor, okay? to the mechanism running the machine, meaning you are an influencer of reality and how reality functions and how it's supposed to function. You're supposed to find errors. Don't you find it's interesting that, that most spiritual people are out ghost hunting? What do you think ghost hunting is? It's finding errors in the code, okay? Why do you think it's so hard to repeat phenomenon? Because there are errors in the code that are being error corrected by the awareness of our interaction, okay? It goes on and on and on. There's so many things people just don't see. But apply this thinking to everything. It'll blow your mind. Okay. So our goal is to, to listen, the matrix wants the program to continue going on. Why? Because why would you want to end data harvesting? Okay. On the same token, there is a force of, of energy that has just the opposite effect. It wants to see the decline and uh, erasure of all this data. And that gets into physics, gets into a lot of other stuff. So there are two forces. You can say they're good and evil. You can say they're destructive and creative. You can say they're organized and chaos, whatever you want, okay? But at the end of the day, in our reality, I don't think true chaos exists in the sense of randomness. That's because we're in a matrix. Everything is predictable. So... Having said that, your job as a spiritual person is A, to self-awaken, two, to train yourself to be able to understand everything that's going on, to train yourself to be able to manipulate the architecture. In other words, don't think you're going to change something grandiose. Think of it more like a hose with water coming out and taking your hand and pressuring it so it does a sideways or, or you shake it and it makes waves, okay? For other people, they can't do any of those things. It just flows out. Okay, so our job is to preserve life, to protect life, to, to help ensure that we move in a positive direction versus the influence and effect on consciousness via negative energy. So when we look at the Princeton test of the balls falling down in this, this thing and they're supposed to go 50-50 every time on both sides or where the water shoots out, whatever, and they have people concentrating and either go one or the other and it does by X amount percent, 
we know we're influencing it. So take a mass amount of influence from another country or their cultural beliefs or whatever, that's collective wattage, that's thought wattage. And if they all were to start harmonizing on the same thinking, the same thought day in and day out, it in a sense pings the whole maturation of collective consciousness moving and stuff. It's like Amazon moving packages, but it's data, it's thoughts, all grouped together from countries and regions, okay? And it's trying to affect or corrupt the functioning correct data pathway for whatever's going on. And that's an influence. So the fine tuners, if you will, okay, need to come in and they need to, to more or less push back that negative code or that negative influence or that destructive path that's going to lead to a destructive path. It's our job to heal is what we would say in the old days. It's our job to protect. It's our job to influence things into a positive direction. And without us, I honestly think that the matrix couldn't function. I think it would all get shut down. I think we are a necessity. You're the one random thing, the one thing that brings up chance if you can alter the trajectory of little things or big things, right? Correct. So you would want to study that as much as you possibly can. Yes. And th this is the other thing if people say to me, well, how do I do this and how do I do this? This goes back to the first thing I said about being underwater and talking and not talking to the other person or you're going to gulp the water down. It's, it's no different. If you're going to influence, you have to influence through your chest consciousness without any verbiage in your head or any ideology of a physical world because it's all obsolete and it's, it's like weight. It's like having 200 pounds on you and jumping in the ocean. Okay, you're going to sink. You need to let go of, of this reality of materialism, okay, and your emotional connections and thoughts to it, and then you have buoyancy. You're, you're able to, to experience on a different level. Check out our recent Rebel Guru Radio episodes, rebelgururadio.com. Check us out on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, our Black Friday sale ends in two days. Check it out, hirehbiblackfriday.com. Why not share some modules with people if they're new that would be a home run for this conversation? The Foundation, Mind Touch, Unveiled, Dissecting the Matrix. How about a dummy and me? Akashic, Akashic Records. Red Curtain. All of these things are, are all of the same conversation. And you will be giddy. You will be entertained if you listen to it. And you will be enlightened in the sense of the knowledge will, will definitely change everything on how you see everything. In a very positive way, but also in a very unnerving way. But it's necessary. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, like, heart, uh, subscribe, share it. Uh, we appreciate you being here. And we will see you next time. Thank you, everybody. A lot of people ask us, where's the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com.
Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. it was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing somewhere in between I flew higher balance we think outside of the box a new kind of spirituality a new kind of meditation a revolution in consciousness Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 